Welcome to the Let's Talk About It podcast with your host, Denise. Denise can be found on IamDenise.com and on all social media platforms. On Let's Talk About It, we dive into the path along the journey while celebrating the human spirit, resilience, and ability to grow beyond limitations. Are you ready? Okay, then let's talk about it. You are with Disembodied Podcast. This is Evie Escher. Today I've got Denise Dixon with me. She is a life coach. She's going to talk about being a life coach, and she's also going to talk about some of her intuitive gifts, such as clairsentience and clairvoyance. So she's got a spirit side as well. And Denise also has a podcast called Let's Talk About It, and that is available on Spotify and other platforms. So stay tuned. Here we go. Hi there. How are you? Good. You look great, by the way. You look very professional in your office Thank and everything. You. Thank you. So welcome to Disembodied Podcast, I should say that. Thank you. You have a couple of degrees in counseling, right? I have a master's in counseling and a master's in education. Okay. So how long have you been a life coach or counselor? I've been a life coach for, I would say, a practicing life coach for the last five years, but I've probably been a life coach my whole life, <laughs> <laughs> as, as we all are in some capacity, you know, but practicing, I've kind of structured it in a more business parameter within the last five years. Okay. Yeah, so it's kind of a new career somewhat to you. Um, well, because I was doing counseling before that, it's a transition. It's very similar. It's just one is a little less formal. So I've been in the space for a while, but this part of it, I would say, yeah. Okay. It's kind of an, a new incarnation of a previous career in a way, just a different type yes. of counseling. So what types of problems do you deal with a lot in people? Of course, you don't have to go into detail about certain patients, but just what are you dealing with a lot these days? I think I'm very intentional now about the types of clients that I see and that I deal with because there is a difference with therapy, traditional therapy and the work that I do. I'm more focused on the lifestyle goal setting, understanding the limitations that we may place on ourselves or clients, you know, sometimes don't realize how hard they are on themselves and it, they don't really recognize patterns that they are kind of looped in. So the clients that I see now are more so looking to identify the pattern, break the cycle, make a change in their lives in order to align with their goals and what they're trying to accomplish and have the behavior match that. Because a lot of times we have these really good soliloquies of like what we want to do and who we are and you know what our goal is, but we're not really having behaviors that matches that. 
So I deal with clients who wants to pair those two together to have the evidence of their desire more seen <laughs> as opposed to a, a construct in their heads. Yeah, it's it's good to realize things instead of just think about them for sure. Absolutely. So how do you, are you dealing with a lot of like highly motivated people, business people who just want to get like better at what they do? Or are you dealing with a wide variety of people with different uh, life situations? I deal with a wide variety, but I'm particularly interested in highly functional, dysfunctional people. (laughs) (laughs) And I say that because I think if you have it together, if you have a job, if you have a career, particularly if you're good at what you do, there is this unfair assumption that you've got it all worked out, right? That beneath the surface lies nothing but perfection. And a lot of times those people, though they may excel in career and their professional lives, you know, really have a difficult time with their own issues. And a lot of times some of the ways that they're able to be successful are sometimes coping mechanisms of avoiding real issues. So if somebody is really good at their job because they're kind of a workaholic and they're there all the time and they have all these hours and they meet all the goals and, and meet all the quotas, but they're really trying to always lean away from, you know, unresolved issues that's within themselves and they've mastered you know, this evolution of escapism or this evolution of busy, busy or this evolution of, you know, always being in character, always have the masters, always together. I really like to work with those people because a lot of times they they are so good at what they do that they get to the point where they've actually tricked themselves. Right. And so Mm -hmm. when we, yeah, so when we have those conversations, I find that those people once they realize or come to terms with the fact that, you know, this little engine that could will eventually run out of steam if we don't deal with some of, you know, the things that are under there. So that's a little bit of my preference, the highly functional, dysfunctional person, because I've been there myself. But I also, you know, deal with people who are just really questioning choices they've made, choices they are wanting to make people who want to make a change but may also want to make a change because they're trying to distract themselves from feeling the emotion of whatever it is that they're going through so it's it's really a wide range yeah it's interesting i i kind of wonder sometimes like who is totally free of all their own problems to the extent that they would never need any coaching. Is there such a person (laughs) that exists, you know, who is just not in need of any coaching? (laughs) You know, I think that's like, that's such a great thought because a lot of times people will say to me, you know, you don't know what I'm going through or I don't think you understand because you don't have those kind of problems. And I'll tell them, I'll be transparent. I'll say, I have those problems. I probably had that problem this morning. (laughs) You know what I mean? (laughs) I think not having the problem is not the thing. It's not being aware that you have the problem. And so for people who believe that they've made it and their life is now the platform of perfection or their life is now the evidence of all things that, you know, is together, I tend to be a little leery of that because my human experience has taught me that every day 
I have to choose to be what I want to be and what I don't want to be. I have to choose to process, feel, change an inner narrative that may be playing. I have to redirect. I have to focus. I have to practice gratitude. I have to practice joy. I have to give myself limits. Say, okay, we're going to feel sorry for ourselves. That's okay. Let's 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 take 10 minutes of that and then we're going to come out of that. So, in my human experience because I know that the work is continuous, I would tell anyone that there's something that you can benefit from having a conversation with me because there's something there you might, you know, just delayed deferred <laughs> yourself from dealing with it, but you know, anyone could always use good conversation and good um introspection, right? That's shared with someone else. So even in that regard, a life coach is great for that. Because when you well, say something out, it's different sometimes. I think people need a little bit of an objective feedback situation as well. Because I heard your podcast episode with uh it was a recent one. I forgot who interviewed you. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's not occurring to me right now. But no you were problem. talking about how family and friends may just kind of appease you and kind of go along with you and they don't want to hurt your feelings. They don't want to cause a rift. So even though those people are much valued as far as your social circle and and that they can help you and they can cheer you up when need be, they're not necessarily going to give you any objective viewpoint. And they may have their own issues sometimes with mm-hmm. especially with family things. You know, some there's always like complicated things and sometimes people will, you know, hold back saying things that they really want to say and mm-hmm. or they'll say too much and they'll make you feel <laughs> bad about other things, right? Right, right. So that's why I think a life coach I'm starting to see the beauty of it more and more, you know, through the years. I used to think life coaching was kind of absurd and now I think well it is nice to have an objective viewpoint. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, in addition to that, sometimes people don't want to deal with the beauty, <laughs> the reaction, the volcano that is you. And even though you may ask them for feedback, if you're a person who is very defensive, who don't take constructive criticism well, who they feel like their response is going to turn into an argument they're going to frame the response that they give you not out of authenticity but out of just you know trying to be there in a way in which they can without having to disrupt their own energy or peace of mind to go down this valley with you and sometimes if we're aggressive or if we're defensive we don't identify ourselves as that so when we ask a question and somebody gives us feedback and then we respond to them like well that's supposed to mean like you're not perfect and then they're like okay i don't i don't want to deal with this so you're not really getting what you need and i think a life coach is more focused on the accountability and giving you the feedback as it pertains to whatever the situation is that you're discussing and hopefully it's somebody that you trust enough and that's that's earned a trust that you know that that feedback is coming from a good place a pure place a non-judgmental place but a place of you know constructive feedback and i think that is you know one of the differences with friends and families like you mentioned yeah there's too many entanglements maybe with people that are close to you and 
you can always sometimes you get unsolicited feedback really from family members and friends mm-hmm. too that who can, have their own issues that they're pushing and projecting <laughs> on you yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, it's complicated. So, I mean, yeah. I, I really see the value of having a life coach. Even if you've got it all together, you know, you have all the signs of success as a human being, you still probably have areas of your life that are maybe faltering a little. Maybe you're not doing so well in. And But I, I do want to make a distinct distinction between a life coach and a therapist. Now, typically, most states do not regulate any kind of life coaching so literally anybody can be a life coach and so you have people who just say hey you know what i think i give good really good advice so i want to be a life coach and that's different than a therapist a therapist is a person who has the degree and the education in recognizing treating dealing with certain disorders or certain mental illnesses and so i'm not a supporter of life coaches acting in the therapist role and when i say that i mean trauma disorders depression mental illnesses should be handled by counselors psychologists psychiatrists because you may come from a traumatic background and you feel like you've done all this work and now you want to be a life coach and now you're giving people advice on trauma and you're giving people advice on depression. Number one, that's not legal because it's outside of your scope. And number two, there are things that your experience still has not taught you. For example, when we were studying this particular course in my studies in counseling, they talked about opening wounds up and then not stitching them back up, right? So you had a great conversation with someone in your mind about their trauma and they've disclosed to you something very traumatic and then you give them your empathy or you share your experience with them but you don't know how to stitch that wound back up because that's not in your training. So although myself I have the educational background and I do have the bachelor's in counseling I'm really not a supporter of people going to life coaches. or those mental health issues that should be treated by a therapist. I just chose this path because I wanted to deal with the areas that I deal with now which is more lifestyle focused. But I would, you know, share with your listeners that not because someone says they're a life coach that's necessarily the person for you to deal with severe issues such as trauma, depression, you know, extreme anxiety. I don't think a life coach should be the place you go for that. Right, understood. Yeah, that is a big distinction. <laughs> Hi there. How are you? Good. You look great by the way. You look very professional in your office Thank and everything. You. Thank you. So, welcome to Disembodied Podcast. I should say that. Thank you. You have a couple of degrees in counseling, right? I have a master's in counseling and a master's in education. Okay. So, how long have you been a life coach or counselor? I've been a life coach for I would say a practicing life coach for the last 5 years, but I've 
probably been a life coach my whole life <laughs> as as we all are in some capacity you know but practicing i kind of structured it in a more, more business parameter within the last 5 years okay yeah so it's kind of a new career somewhat to you um well because i was doing counseling before that it's a transition it's very similar it's just one is a little less formal so i've been in the space for a while but this part of it i would say yeah okay it's kind of an a new incarnation of a previous career in a way just a different type yes counseling mm-hmm. so what types of problems do you deal with a lot in people of course you don't have to go into detail about certain patients but just what are you dealing with a lot these days I think I'm very intentional now about the types of clients that I see and that I deal with because there is a difference with therapy, traditional therapy and the work that I do. I'm more focused on the lifestyle, goal setting, understanding the limitations that we may place on ourselves or clients, you know, sometimes don't realize how hard they are on themselves and it they don't really recognize patterns that they are kind of looped in so the clients that i see now are more so looking to identify the pattern break the cycle make a change in their lives in order to align with their goals and what they're trying to accomplish and have the behavior match that because a lot of times we have these really good soliloquies of like what we want to do and who we are and you know what our goal is but we're not really having behaviors that matches that so i deal with clients who wants to pair those two together to have the evidence of their desire more seen <laughs> as opposed to a, a construct in their heads yeah it's it's good to realize things instead of just think about them for sure absolutely so how do you are you dealing with a lot of like highly motivated people, business people who just want to get like better at what they do or are you dealing with a wide variety of people with different uh life situations? I deal with a wide variety, but I'm particularly interested in highly functional dysfunctional people. <laughs> <laughs> And I say that because I think if you have it together, if you have a job, if you have a career, particularly if you're good at what you do there is this unfair assumption that you've got it all worked out right that beneath the surface lies nothing but perfection and a lot of times those people though they may excel in career and their professional lives you know really have a difficult time with their own issues and a lot of times some of the ways that they're able to be successful are sometimes coping mechanisms of avoiding real issues. So if somebody is really good at their job because they're kind of a workaholic and they're there all the time and they have all these hours and they meet all the goals and and meet all the quotas, but they're really trying to always lean away from, you know, unresolved issues that's within themselves and they've mastered, you know, this evolution of escapism or this evolution of busy busy or this evolution of you know always being in character always have the mask just always 
together. I really like to work with those people because a lot of times they they're so good at what they do that they get to the point where they've actually tricked themselves, right? And so mm-hmm. when we yeah, so when we have those conversations, I find that those people once they realize or come to terms with the fact that you know this little engine that could will eventually run out of steam if we don't deal with some of you know the things that are under there. So that's a little bit of my preference the highly functional dysfunctional person because I've been there myself but I also you know deal with people who are just really questioning choices they've made choices they are wanting to make people who want to make a change but may also want to make a change because they're trying to distract themselves from feeling the emotion of whatever it is that they're going through so it's it's really a wide range Yeah. It's interesting. I I kind of wonder sometimes like who is totally free of all their own problems to the extent that they would never need any coaching. Is there such a person <laughs> that exists, you know, who is just not in need of any coaching? <laughs> you know, I think that's like that's such a great thought because a lot of times people will say to me you know you don't know what i'm going through or i don't think you understand because you don't have those kind of problems and i'll tell them i'll be transparent i'll say i have those problems i probably had that problem this morning <laughs> you know what i mean <laughs> i think not having the problem is not the thing it's not being aware that you have the problem and so for people who believe that they've made it and their life is now the platform of perfection or their life is now the evidence of all things that you know is together i tend to be a little leery of that because my human experience has taught me that every day i have to choose to be what i want to be and what i don't want to be i have to choose to process feel change in a narrative that may be plain i have to redirect i have to focus i have to practice gratitude i have to practice joy i have to give myself limits say okay we're going to feel sorry for ourselves that's okay let's 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 take 10 minutes of that and then we're going to come out of that so in my human experience because i know that the work is continuous i would tell anyone that there's something that you can benefit from having a conversation with me because there's something there you might you know just delayed deferred <laughs> yourself from dealing with it but you know anyone could always use good conversation and good um introspection right that's shared with someone else so even in that regard a life coach is great for that because when you say well, something out it's different sometimes i think people need a little bit of an objective feedback situation as well because i heard your podcast episode with uh it was a recent one i forgot who interviewed you i'm sorry <laughs> it's not occurring to me right now but no you were problem. talking about how family and friends may just kind of appease you and kind of go along with you and they don't want to hurt your feelings they don't want to cause a rift so even though those people are much valued as far as your social circle and and that they can help you and they can cheer you up when need be they're not necessarily going to give you any objective viewpoint 
and they may have their own issues sometimes with, mm-hmm. especially with family things, you know, some, there's always like complicated things. And sometimes people will, you know, hold back saying things that they really want to say and, mm-hmm. or they'll say too much and they'll make you feel <laughs> bad about other things. Right. 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 So that's why I think a life coach, I'm starting to see the beauty of it more and more, you know, through the years. I used to think life coaching was kind of absurd and now I think, well, it is nice to have an objective viewpoint. Absolutely. And sometimes, you know, in addition to that, sometimes people don't want to deal with the beauty, (laughs) the reaction, the volcano that is you. And even though you may ask them for feedback, if you're a person who is very defensive, who don't take constructive criticism well, who they feel like, their response is going to turn into an argument. They're going to frame the response that they give you not out of authenticity, but out of just, you know, trying to be there in a way in which they can without having to disrupt their own energy or peace of mind to go down this valley with you. And sometimes if we're aggressive or if we're defensive, we don't identify ourselves as that. So when we ask a question and somebody gives us feedback and then we respond to them like, well, that's supposed to mean like you're not perfect. And then they're like, okay, I don't, I don't want to deal with this. So you're not really getting what you need. And I think a life coach is more focused on the accountability and giving you the feedback as it pertains to whatever the situation is that you're discussing. And hopefully it's somebody that you trust enough and that's that's earned a trust that you know that that feedback is coming from a good place a pure place a non-judgmental place but a place of you know constructive feedback and i think that is you know one of the differences with friends and families like you mentioned yeah there's too many entanglements maybe with people that are close to you and you can always sometimes you get unsolicited feedback really from family members and friends mm-hmm. too that can Who have their own issues that they're pushing and projecting <laughs> on you yeah. you know what i mean yeah yeah <laughs> yeah because, it's complicated so i mean yeah. i i really see the value of having a life coach even if you've got it all together you know you have all the signs of success as a human being you still probably have areas of your life that are maybe faltering a little maybe you're not doing so well in and, but I, I do want to make a distinct distinction between a life coach and a therapist. Now, typically, most states do not regulate any kind of life coaching. So literally, anybody can be a life coach. And so you have people who just say, hey, you know what? I think I give good, really good advice, so I want to be a life coach. And that's different than a therapist. A therapist is a person who has the degree and the education in recognizing, treating, dealing with certain disorders or certain mental illnesses. And so I'm not a supporter of life coaches acting in the therapist role. And when I say that, I mean trauma, disorders, depression, mental illnesses should be handled by counselors, psychologists, psychiatrists, because you may come from a traumatic background and you feel like you've done all this work and now you want to be a life coach and now you're giving people advice on trauma and you're giving people advice on depression. Number one, that's not legal because it's outside of your scope. And number two, 
there are things that your experience still has not taught you. For example, when we were studying this particular course in my studies in counseling, they talked about opening wounds up and then not stitching them back up, right? So you had a great conversation with someone in your mind about their trauma and they've disclosed to you something very traumatic and then you give them your empathy or you share your experience with them but you don't know how to stitch that wound back up because that's not in your training. So although myself I have the educational background and I do have the masters in counseling I'm really not a supporter of people going to life coaches for those mental health issues that should be treated by a therapist. I just chose this path because I wanted to deal with the areas that I deal with now which is more lifestyle focused. But I would, you know, share with your listeners that not because someone says they're a life coach that's necessarily the person for you to deal with severe issues such as trauma, depression, you know, extreme anxiety. I don't think a life coach should be the place you go for that. Right, understood. Yeah, that is a big distinction. <laughs> Yeah, you can leave things open-ended, I think. Nobody, first of all, there's nobody on earth that's in a physical body that understands everything. You know, there's kind of a veiled side to the spirit world and we get glimpses of it here and there in ourselves Mm -hmm. and in others. And I think it's okay to leave it open-ended and not define everything to a T and you know, make it about some book of rules or whatever. It, it becomes too arbitrary. It becomes too exactly human based, I think, in a yes. way when you start making a lot of rules and, and getting highly judgmental about everything. I mean, and you can turn anything into a dogmatic system, not just spirituality. People oh, become absolutely people become vegan and then all of a sudden they want everybody else to be vegan or they're going to a type of hell, right? Absolutely. <laughs> it gets crazy with diets it, and, it, you know. It does. It does. Even in the self-improvement space, you know, I see, you know, in the self-improvement space, in the spiritual space, in the guru space, it's like people tell you not to believe in something or, oh, you were taught this, you were taught that. At the same time, indoctrinating you into whatever their belief system is. You know what I mean? It's like, oh, this isn't true. This was written, you know, they messed around with this, but, but, you know, this is the right way. This is what you're supposed to be thinking. And sometimes I wonder if people hear themselves, you know, like, okay, you realize that you're extracting what I have been taught to replace it with the file of what you're trying to teach me, you know? So I'm very mindful of that. I'm always, you know, just kind of, I listen and I'll take things into consideration, but I'm not trying to sign up to anything. I'm still trying to unlearn all the stuff that I was kind of drilled into. I feel that way too, in some respects, although I think I have kind of unlearned a lot of it, but I feel that I want to keep myself open-minded enough to be surprised by spiritual insight that I didn't have before, even if it was last year or six months ago or whatever. I think there's a continual evolution that you go through as a spiritual being. And I think that you have to just be open-minded to it and not always try to 
quantify it and qualify it and associate it with this religion or this spiritual path or anything. You can just experience it and go, oh yeah, that reminds me of, there is no limit to consciousness. You know, <laughs> It can be that basic, really, just a realization that there's no limit to who you are, what you can be, what you can know. There's probably life on the other side that is not judging anything and maybe enjoying the state of being more than we enjoy it in the body. Because in the body, I think we have so many distractions, you know, are we Mm -hmm. feeling well? Are we achieving what we need to achieve? You know, everything is very, there's just so many constraints I feel when you're in a body. And that's why I named this podcast disembodied because it's to remind yourself to get out of that. And to see something else, if you can, if you can catch a glimpse of the spirit side, do it. You know, when I saw the um, the name of the podcast, like it literally was just like, boom, because for me, I had a very, very, very traumatic childhood. And so one of the things I learned how to do very early, I stumbled across very early. Now I know that's what it was for me. I was just having fun zoning out of my head. But I was astrally projecting since like age three. And I didn't know what that was. I just knew that I wanted to be alone most of the time because there was this state that I could induce. And I have this image of myself one day. I was, there was like a playground and all these kids, they were playing, just like having a great time. And there was this big plum tree and I just kind of snuck away and just went under the plum tree. And I was just there and I heard two adults like, you know, from the distance going, why is she not playing with the other kids? Look at all the other kids up there. You know what I mean? Why is she not, why, why is she not doing that? And essentially what I was doing was I, and I don't know how, I think more than likely from the trauma and dissociating from the physical body to not feel some of that, you know, inside. And I stumbled across that and I would induce a state to the point to where I actually started to abuse it, where I would just leave and come back. And I could feel like the merry-go-round or the roller coaster, like, you know, going on the high and you get that dip and it's that like feeling in your gut. Like I haven't abused drugs, but I feel like I kind of was abusing that as a drug, as a child. So I would have these experiences where I would go And then I would come back, I would go and I would come back. And one day I was doing it like so much. I did it probably like 10 times. And this one time, and I was in the second grade, this one time I was coming back and I heard a thought and the thought said, what if you don't make it back to your body? And I'd never had that thought before. I was just always tripping on like, wee, wee, wee. And that was so scary. I became conscious in the space outside my body that normally I wouldn't be because, you know, with consciousness or there's a certain level of anxiety that comes with, you know, you being aware. I use it in the sense of awareness. And as soon as I had that thought, the other thing that came immediately with that thought was fear. And the other thing that came immediately with that fear was panic. And it was like literally a plane trying to crash land into a, on a runway whose 
landing strip was maybe like a couple feet shorter than it needed to be. I was crashing back into my body and I actually had my first panic attack in that experience where, you know, I just remember coming back and I couldn't breathe. And then the thoughts started to just kind of race, like, oh my gosh, this is death. This is what death feels like. This is the last 10 minutes, 10 seconds of life, right? And that created a panic attack. And I've never had panic attacks before that. And subsequently had panic attacks throughout my life after that incident. So a lot of times people don't understand certain things about spirituality and you just want to read something up and go astral project and smoke some weed to induce certain things. You know what I mean? I see these people eating mushrooms and wanting to do this. And I understood that as a child, I was doing those things. But if you give a child a Ferrari to drive, don't be surprised if they crash, cause pain to themselves, to others. And so spirituality in itself, I don't believe should be a pursuit um, with the goal of power or awakenness to be able to say that I'm awakened or to be able to kind of sit side by side with the ego, you know, like, look what I have done and look what I have made. It's something that you have to be very responsible with. And I've learned the lesson and something that was very beautiful and a gift that I had that I could use to kind of navigate essentially turned into a nightmare. And then I never really felt like I came back in the exact way. You know, when you put on an outfit sometimes and it fits, but it's like, it's like a little, you know, something sticking out or something. It just doesn't fit like a tailored outfit. I never yeah. really felt like I came back to the exact way. I, I always felt like, you know, there was a little bit of non-fittedness in some parts. And then I had to kind of matriculate through life with that knowing. So it's a very lifelong process and journey for me. And I have those experiences that I've like ran away from quite mm -hmm. often, but it's something that people should, it's not a hobby. <laughs> you know <what> I mean? <laughs> Spirituality is not a hobby. You can't go buy a book on stones and then all of a sudden, you know, you feel like you can tell people what to do and how to be. And when you yourself, like there's so much that we don't know. So at best, we can pray to be a vessel or a platform that passes on what is passed through us, through the spirit, God, the universe, whatever you call it, and just be grateful to be a vessel to do that. But when we try to be the God ourselves, no, <laughs> we're going to fall short. <laughs> we're going to fall short. <laughs> Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up about smoking weed and, and hallucinogens and stuff because they're very popular nowadays. And mm -hmm. I have no desire to do mushrooms or any hallucinogens because I have enough of a- Stuff going on. Yeah, I have enough of a like daily hallucination that I deal with. I don't even think I want to add to it. And <laughs> I, I don't understand, like, like some people take a lot of drugs and- not that I, I think that they're all bad. It's just that I would caution people. You know, I've known people that have actually told me really interesting things, kind of scary things. Like this one lady I used to know, she and her, I think it was her husband would do hallucinate, uh, hallucinogens sometimes. And mm -hmm. 
I don't know if she did LSD or mushrooms or what with him one night, but she told me that she started like reaching different planes of understanding mm-hmm. and coming mm-hmm. on different beings who were telling her things. And she reached this one point where these beings, I don't know what they were, they weren't people, but they looked at her and they said, what are, why can you see us? How come you can see us? You shouldn't be seeing us at all. And it completely mm-hmm. freaked her out. <laughs> I would say. Because, because she, you know, she is a spiritual person and she understood that it was some reality on a different plane and that she had somehow tapped into it and really wasn't supposed to. Mm-hmm. And after that, she gave up LSD or mm-hmm. mushrooms or whatever. I, I think it was a combination of things, but <laughs> she, she didn't want to do it anymore. Her husband still did it, I guess, but she didn't do it because she said it just freaked her out too much. It was like, yeah. she was maybe learning things that were beyond her, mm-hmm. you know, and it was like, probably not going to be good for her, she thought. So I commend people who have some sort of realization that hallucinogens are very powerful and they can help you. I think if you do small doses of things, it's possible it can help you. Mm-hmm. I know that they're talking about, what is it? I, uh, uh, Ayahuasca. Yeah. I can never yeah. pronounce it right. I don't know why, but yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure there's a therapeutic dose that might help you at times, mm-hmm. but I wouldn't go crazy on stuff like this. I wouldn't just be randomly taking stuff because you don't know what you're going to experience and it could traumatize you for years, you know? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Because my experience was voided of any kind of drug. I know. (laughs) I I, know. I I, I didn't smoke something to get it, you know, like it just, (laughs) it just happened. And so sometimes, you know, like I'm Jamaican. So obviously, you know, medicinal marijuana is something that family members and friends practice and it's, you know, they use it as a relaxation aid. If some, if they can prescribe you pharmaceutically stuff for you to relax and you can smoke marijuana and and relax, then, you know, I have no judgment on that. I'm speaking more so of people who are using drugs for the purpose of really tapping into this place that they really have access to. They just don't, they want to bypass whatever that process is. And then also humans we're so adorable we really think we're always like the smartest you know what I mean like (laughs) something can come back with you unbeknownst to you you know like you feel like you just went and you just left and they're like okay sure come and go in you know our our world or in our dimension anytime you want no (laughs) and I don't want to take the chance that somebody comes back with something comes back with me and now it's like well, I can't go anywhere else. You you came to my place, so now I'm at your place. <laughs> yeah, it's true. I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, things to consider with getting involved in maybe spiritual work that's too advanced, or you know, you're just not prepared to deal with. Humans mm-hmm. have a lot of frailties psychologically and physically and everything, and you have to take that into account. I think. And what is the intention? Because I always feel like I, I have kind of like a sci-fi mind. So I mm-hmm. feel like if you go into something with the intention, for example, the intention is power because you want to know and you have that openness or that greed or that void, 
you could find something they'll say, oh, that's what you want. Okay, I'll give that to you, you know, and you may not be in a position to facilitate that very power that you're trying to tap into or find out because of whether it's vibrationally you're not there or energy you're not there, you know, whatever the requirements are. Nobody left us a table of contents, you know what I mean? Nobody. If you can probably, you know, what is that? The book of thoughts? Like, you know, if you get into that and you can kind of decode some stuff, then, you know, more power to you. But I think we have to trust that the God who created us wasn't just winging it. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) He's got a plan. So just kind of check with him first, you know, and ask for direction, you know, ask for guidance and don't use the assumption that, you know, you just, you have this, you already know. And I think there are a lot of gurus and a lot of teachers and a lot of other people who are driven by ego and power who have like incredibly dangerous platform to have people subscribe to that kind of narrative. And I think that's why podcasts like yours and conversations like these are important because it's like the day-to-day mind that we want to challenge to say, hey, yeah, I know this is what you're doing. And you're thinking about going to Costa Rica because you saw it on TV. But if you take this, this is going to do this. But, you know, like maybe hearing something will give them a perspective that they didn't really think about. Like what? Like you did that without drugs? (laughs) (laughs) So, you know, this is why I don't drink. I don't smoke. It's not like I don't do drugs because I'm, you know, like my moral compass. It's because I understand that whatever it is that you want to induce from a drug, you literally can induce that. You know, like I can't meditate. A lot of people, they have to like sit for like 15, 20 minutes, 30 minutes to get into a meditative state. I can access a meditative state instantly. Oh, so I try, I walk around trying not to meditate. Because I don't know what's going to happen if I go into that state, you know, so it's different for everyone, you know, a lot of people have experiences where they have to work really hard to get into that state, and then they feel whatever the experiences that they're having. Whereas for me, meditation is a thing that I try not to do, because if I can access it so easily, what's going to happen if 20 minutes, you know, I'm like going deeper and deeper and deeper later. So I'm no expert by any means because I'll ask somebody a question really quickly. Oh, wait, what is that? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the experience is unique and I don't want people to dismiss their own spiritual pathology because they're trying to align or identify with, you know, someone else's experience. Go within yourself and, and dissect that. Like, what is your experience been? Think about that time when you were in a situation And if you had just left the house five minutes earlier, you wouldn't have missed your flight. And then the plane crashed, you know, Mm -hmm. like those aren't coincidences. Think about the date that you were going to go on and then you didn't end up going. And then that dude probably ended up would have ended up being like the worst possible relationship you could ever have. So every day there are these preventive things. If you're alive, that has saved you from what could have been sure debt the day before right mm-hmm. but we we take that stuff for granted so we don't really even think about it you know like every day like you're in this lane you could have been three minutes down the road and there's an accident so there's enough 
gratitude and depth in the evidence of us living and surviving every day. And the spirituality is embedded everywhere in that. But people want Thor and Superman and Iron Man kind of evidence. You know what I mean? Yeah. They, want, they want a grand splash. They want to see something that is theatrical, you know, and it, in fact, it's everywhere in you every day. I think that it's a situation sometimes where people want to see something big happen. <laughs> and they, I guess the small instances of knowing maybe you just missed hitting somebody instead of crashing into them, or mm -hmm. you didn't get on the plane and that was the plane that crashed, that type of thing. Those don't stay prevalent in your mind. They don't stay at the forefront because nothing bad really happened to trigger a response for you to hang on to that thought or memory. There was no, mm -hmm. there was like nothing to see really. You know, it's just mm -hmm. a thought. It's just an occurrence in your mind. Oh yeah, I, I guess I would have died in that plane crash, you know, if I had got on the plane. So I think it's the larger traumas that really stay with you, unfortunately. You know, when you have traumas in your life where somebody takes you at gunpoint and, you know, takes you hostage or something, you know, you're going to remember that a lot more than mm -hmm. the fact that you didn't get on the plane that crashed, you know? Mm -hmm. because it's just more traumatic. And that's the nature of human consciousness, I think, is that you remember the trauma or the negative things a lot of times more than you, any good thing. Do you think it's the nature or do you think it is the new learned nature? Because I think before technology and before, you know, the new world and before all of this, if you go back to the cavemen, well, not cavemen, but if you go back, you know, way, way back where people had different experiences where the gratitude and the celebration was measured in those little things, right? Mm -hmm. And at some point, it seemed like those little things just no longer fit the bill, just no longer satisfied us, just we became consumers, we wanted more and more and more. And so our consumer nature kind of like stripped that part of us that was already satisfied before it was overtaken with want. Because there are people who used to celebrate the rain, you know, they would have a <laughs> rain dance, you yeah, know, yeah. they would celebrate the harvest, they will celebrate another season, they would celebrate the crops churning as a result of, you know, everything astrologically aligning. And that's what gave those people their real happy juice, you know? And I feel like it just takes so much more now because we are so disconnected from our body or our consciousness. It just takes so much more now for us to feel and that's to feel the good as well as feel the bad. You know, some people, there's some stuff that's happened to them that's bad, like a lot of bad things. And it's to the point where they don't even feel it, even with the trauma, like you're explaining. It just becomes another, you know, yeah, sometimes that happens. It's not good, but so we're becoming more desensitized and more, and more desensitized. Absolutely. Yeah. And so 
those are the things that I, you know, kind of like think about and worry about because I understand the dangers of not feeling, Mm -hmm. not feeling your body, not feeling your spirit, not feeling your joy, not feeling your gratitude, not feeling. And some people willingly are okay with feeling if they accumulate, right? Mm -hmm. If they accumulate, they're, they're okay. So we're just, we are changing and we are evolving, but I think the irony is we're evolving into less human. (laughs) 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 We're like Charles Darwin in the reverse. I find that we're going back to being, you know, looking at that theory, whether you believe it or not. I mean, if you see somebody literally with a phone, it's like a monkey picking tick. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they're just so disconnected from everything. They're walking in the road. There's a car coming. There's the most beautiful woman that they've ever seen in their whole life walking by them or the most handsome guy, or there's somebody that's playing a piano on the side of the road. And all that is cut off because a focal point is on the technology, which is what the gorilla was doing when it was sitting there picking off its tick. <laughs> that's what it's, that's what, what its focal point was. Maybe we'll acclimate to it to the point where it will no longer be such a special thing. I don't know. Mm. I mean, mm. there, there's a lot of projection about what the future will be. Will our cell phones be in our glasses or mm-hmm. sunglasses or, you know, I mean. Or a chip in our brain. <laughs> I hope not, but. Hold on, let me fun. get that. Uh-huh, hold on, I got another call. <laughs> wait I got a third one coming in here this one's for family this one's for business this one's for the government (laughs) yeah it doesn't it doesn't bode well for the future I think we may have some I don't know I don't want to speculate too much I think this could be further into the future you know anyway but I think that the technology is still somewhat new to us. Cell phones have not really been around that long. You know, I mean, they became pretty popular in the late nineties from what Mm -hmm. I remember. And so, I mean, that wasn't really that long ago. And I think maybe we're still in an acclimation phase and we're going to integrate their existence better into our lives in in a way that's less obtrusive maybe or intrusive. But I don't know. I hope you're right. Because uh, I, I see it a little differently. I feel like the technology is going to incorporate the humans within the technology, right? I feel yeah. like artificial intelligence is so high. So imagine if you had a best friend, right? And the whole purpose of this friend was to study you, right? So mm-hmm. to study you from childhood, adulthood, to where they could say to you, okay, this guy, you're going on a date with him. He's a Leo. Statistically speaking, when you date a Leo four out of five times, it doesn't really end well. (laughs) You know what I mean? And you're like, really? Yeah. Four out of five times. Yep. There was this, there was this, there was this. You don't even know that. You're just dating. You end up dating a Leo. Okay. Maybe it works out. Maybe it's not, but there's nothing consistently collecting and disaggregating data about you. Oh, you're going to have that chili. You know what happens? Usually three days later, after you have chili, you get a heartburn. You know what I mean? Oh, you're buying green. You know, statistically speaking, something happens whenever you buy green, you know, whenever you like, it's, that's all it's doing. Now you have friends like this that will say, yeah, remember so-and-so you'd be like, oh my gosh, I didn't even remember that. Right. 
So this is what technology is doing. It is taking everything about you and it's putting it somewhere and it's accessing that data to the point now to where you can actually sometimes think about something. And a lot of people don't necessarily want to talk about this, but you have a thought and then it just so happens that that thought of whatever it is you're thinking about comes up in your search engine, right? Like, you know what? I was just thinking about that. Did I say something about that? Hmm. Or you're thinking about a certain thing and then that's the video that comes up in your YouTube feed. So I feel like technology is ahead of us in a way, even though we are humans and it only started, you know, like, because it's, its only job is to collect and disaggregate data. It doesn't have to be hindered with the feelings, you know, that we have and the processing and the setback. And when we're in that stage, we're not collecting our own data. We're just trying to survive. And what it's doing in the meantime, see what kind of songs you listen to, what day of the week typically you listen to that. Oh, it's seven o'clock. She's probably going to listen to classical music now because typically on Wednesdays at seven o'clock, three out of five times, this is what she does. So you have a thing. It's like a, it's, it's even more consistent than a relationship because your partner has their own life. They don't have time to just study. To analyze your life. <laughs> yeah. And collect data about you. So what do we do and what is the responsibility we have to kind of jump into, you know, the vehicle that is our lives to not have technology be the thing that's kind of, you know, driving that. And I was thinking this morning, why is my cell phone in my bed? You know, I woke up this morning and I was like, and I thought to myself, why is my cell phone in my bed? What is that? (laughs) And it's got its own pillow. Because you don't want to roll over on it. So, you know, it's like, that shouldn't be a thing. Like you get up and the first thing you should want to do is to be grateful that you wake up. But a lot of times the first thing you want to do is if you missed a call, you missed a message, you missed the email, that something happened that catastrophically changed the world while you were sleeping for your six hours. I must know. I must know immediately. (laughs) Yeah, it's and not then a I good can be trend. grateful, And then I can be grateful right after I check all these emails. Okay, all right. You know what? Yes, I am here still, as evident by me just checking my cell phone. It's kind of scary. So I like to challenge people or remind them to, cliche as this may be, smell the roses. Like, have you watched The Matrix? The movie? Yes, with uh, Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I want, yeah, but it's been years since I've seen it. Yeah, there's this one scene that I remember. I think it wasn't the first one. It might have been this, the one of the l- later ones. And there's this guy who's going to betray his team. And so he's working with the other guy and he says, oh, when my payment, I want to I be somebody important, you know, because they're all like characters. And he's like, I want to be somebody famous and somebody important. And the Mr. Smith, you know, character looks at him like, you know, it's not real. (laughs) And he's like, I don't care. I want to be important in this fake world. I want to be an important person in this fake world. (laughs) I want to be somebody of stature in the fake world that we're using. Like, you know, yeah, yep, that part. And I think (laughs) that's what it is. A lot of people are like, yep, I want to be somebody super, super important in this world, which is just a fraction, you know, like C.S. Lewis says, like literally a parenthesis in the whole scope of eternity, 
we've stopped talking about everything outside of that parentheses. And so sometimes even in life coaching, I try to develop a holistic relationship with my clients Mm -hmm. where they don't just come to me and vomit and I give them, you know, empathy and feedback. Like I challenge them to look outside of that parentheses. Like, what is it all for? You're doing all of this for what, right? Like, what is, what is it all for, for you? Not in general, you know, to meet, meet any kind of standards, but what, what is it for? And sometimes they really have to think about that. And are you benefiting from it? Because if you drop dead tomorrow, your job will find a replacement for you within two weeks. And eventually yes. nobody will even know that you work at that place. The only place that you are going to continue to exist is in the mind and hearts of the lives that you impacted or changed or played a consistent role in. So be very careful not to develop those relationships because essentially is that not, you know, what life is in part. And if we don't do that, then what are we doing really? We're just on the wheel, like my old hamster, Hamlet, may you rest in peace. <laughs> and hamsters don't live too long. <laughs> they don't. They don't. No. Well, that's mm-hmm. a beautiful way to sum it up, actually. That's a great way to end it because I was going to ask you what you recommend to people, but you kind of have already said that. You said to stop and smell the roses and enjoy life and try to examine, I guess, within yourself, what's your motivation? What are you here for? What greater thing can you be in this life? Mm. Yes, 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 yes. That part. Yes. Absolutely. (laughs) All right. Well, thank you so much, Denise. Thank you. I appreciate you. (laughs) I appreciate you. I saw that and I was like, oh my gosh, because just the the term in itself, I was like, she gets it, you know, and it's, it's very hard sometimes to meet people who you can know within an instant that they get it. You know, there's some people Mm -hmm. through conversation, you're like, okay, this person gets it. But with you, I was like, she gets it. Oh, thanks. That's sweet. Let's talk about being disembodied for a minute, you know, (laughs) because we're not short on conversations about your body, how it looks, how it pulls back, how, you know, we know that we can, yeah. So let's talk about being disembodied. We have a lot of that. (laughs) So I think that's awesome. I love what you're doing. You've been listening to the podcast. Let's talk about it. Feel free to support our podcast by selecting the sponsorship link on this platform. Drop us a line or even be one of our guests. Visit us on the web at www.imdenise.com to learn more.